They were found at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters, or 980, 1,570, and 2,070 miles from this tree. (laughs) What? 2,070 miles, Lisa? Did I do what? Is it not right? What the? What? (laughs) They'd be in space! Oh. Okay, I'm just going to leave the fucking miles out then. I don't know. I was tired when I was writing all these. They'd be in fucking space! You're in space, bitch! Welcome back to a new episode of our show, Curiosity Syndrome. Yes, with Jennifer and Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> so the you most have, basic. You name. don't have like a long, long name. It's just Lisa. It's sad. Oh, just Lisa. It's <laughs> the saddest name ever. I'm Lisa, and this is how I talk. <laughs> that's how, that's how I, <laughs> I don't know why you think I sound like that. I don't that. know. Do I sound just, like that, people. No, like you don't. But <laughs> that's just the voice I go to. Like look at me, I'm Lisa. <laughs> That's cool because my name is Hi, I'm Jen. Oh, what do you I say on my bitch? I'm Jen. <laughs> Terrifying. I love it. Yeah, that's de- I definitely don't sound like that. No, and I don't sound like what you think I sound like. Yeah. So Well, I mean, kind of. No, my voice is, I think, manly. I don't know. <laughs> Did you know that the way you hear yourself is not the way you sound? Yeah, I've heard that, but I still, I don't know. Because of the, it's the, very weird. the way your sound of your voice, like, reverberates in your brain, it's actually higher. You're, like, other people hear your voice, like, higher. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's why when I listen back, I'm like, why does my voice sound so high? I was like, I thought my voice was deeper. <laughs> I thought I had a voice like Cher. And I thought, Cher, oh, <laughs> it's my karaoke song. <laughs> I thought my voice was deep, too, so that's very weird. Yeah, well. Here we are today, back in the pod lab, which pod is lab. kind of not getting anywhere, but <laughs> I was going to say, it's getting somewhere, but... We, we still have the table. I mean, We do that. have the table. We got a carpet. <laughs> the carpet's all right. I mean, it, I've already had this carpet, but, you know... It's cute. On the carpet. We're getting somewhere. There's a bunch of paintings over here that need to be hanged. I know. I do need to hanged. Be hanged. Hanged. They hung? need to be hanged. <laughs> oh, my God. This poor painting. I know. Uh, speaking of paintings, we had our first little fan art done for us. I know. It was yeah. so cute. I know. So let's give a little shout out to uh, Amanda's wifey, Stephanie, again. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that lovely painting you did. she did. send it to you or just sent, like, a picture? She sent me a picture, but uh, Amanda said they were going to either try to mail it or when they come visit get it to me so oh yeah we can hang it up yeah, <laughs> we put it in the pond lab put it in the pond lab and then oh, we can yeah. take some pictures <laughs> with it so. yeah how are you feeling about our last episode <laughs> uh i loved them so i thought they were great i st- now like when i look around i like can see them i can see like ancient Greeks everywhere. <laughs> like I see it everywhere. I'm like, oh god. All I can think of is not sacks in the sea. So, <laughs> have you watched The Gray Man? No, I haven't oh yet. My god. I want to okay, watch it. So, if you haven't watched The Gray Man, this is like a baby spoiler. It's not like going to spoil the whole movie, but um, Ryan Gosling character, he has like Greek on his arm, and someone's like, "Where'd you get that?" And he's like, "In prison." And they're like, "What does it mean?" He says, "It's a name." And they were like, "Who's the name?" And he's like, "It's a guy who rolled a boulder up a hill." <laughs> I was like, I was Sisyphus! 
shit. I was like, we just did the episode. So <laughs> we were talking about it the other day at work and my manager come out and she's like, what do you want to know about the gray man from Polly's Island? I was like, what girl? That's not what we're talking about. No, we're about. talking about the movie. <laughs> I was like, but we did a podcast episode on that. Yeah, we did. You got to go look at it. You yeah. know, what was that one? Friday the 13th. Yeah, Syndrome short. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But here we are today and this was your topic this week. So Lisa, what made you so curious about... Diet Love Pass? Yeah. That. The Diet Love Pass incident, as it has become known as. And we're not referring to Anatoly Diatlov yeah. from Chernobyl. No. This time it is uh, Igor Diatlov. Oh. He actually came before. I was going to say this happened. In the 50s, right? Yeah. Yeah. 1959. So. This is before Chernobyl. Mm. There's a lot of uh, Yuri's and. <laughs> There's a lot of Diatlov. R- Russian names. <laughs> that too. So. What made me so curious is the craziness uh, surrounding this case and the unknowns. Yeah. Because there's so much. And the ways that they were found and just so many questions, so many theories. It's Mm -hmm. still an ongoing case, actually. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I've definitely deep-dived in this one before, but it's been a while since I've, like, heard anything about it or, like, read anything about it. But it's... uh... So yeah. I asked a lot of people at work, and I'm like, you know, they kept asking me what I was working on. I was like, that love pass, blah, blah, and no one knew what it was. Not what? one it's person. Like, it's like one of the most famous <laughs> mysteries in the world. Right. I felt so, I was like, what? Like, so at least, you know, if you haven't heard, here you go. And then I knew this was going to be like a refresher for you. Yeah. So. I just couldn't believe so many people had never, ever heard of it. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're kind of doing this week and next week kind of like how we did the scary games in Pabeglia, where Lisa's going to basically do this one, and then I'm going to do the next one. Yeah. So, <laughs> of like course, the- I picked one that's so ridiculous with a lot of Russian names, which like we, we know. Did, like, we did not, like, we did not have this problem during Chernobyl. <laughs> I was going to say, so we all know, again, I am but a single white, a single white girl. <laughs> You're not nice single. <laughs> I'm single. Not I am, you. but a sad white girl who does not know any Russian. <laughs> you don't know any Russian, comrade. I don't. I don't. You gotta end every sentence with comrade. Comrade. Okay, got comrade. it. Comrade. Soviet Russia. So we mm. in like Stranger Things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a Yuri in that as well. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many. He was Yuri's. the hot one, right? No. No, Yuri was the weird one that they kidnapped for his helicopter oh i thought it was the game of thrones guy my bad my bad game of thrones I've never yeah seen so that the so. guy that he partnered up with he's from game of thrones oh yeah. okay interesting he was much hotter in this show than he was that one but <laughs> okay. i think it was the mustache so. okay you know that'll do it sometimes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway so anyways i'm gonna struggle with some of these pronunciations i tried to look them up but again i am not russian so you ready to jump right in yeah let's just get right in there just okay. get right in get all up in there Jesus Christ, we were doing so good. I know. On January 27th in 1959, a group of 10 experienced hikers were preparing for a trek in Russia on the way to Gora or Torten Mountain. The next day, one of them, Yuri Yudin, who had a pre-existing health condition, decided to turn around due to some knee and joint pains. Little did he know... That he had just saved himself from the horrors that he left for his nine friends to continue on without him. I don't know why I said that. You better thank that fucking knee, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, what kind of luck is in your corner? Right, I know. So he... 
<laughs> like, thank God. I would be like, you know what? Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I'd feel like, I don't know. Well, okay, just finish the story and okay, then okay. people will understand what we're talking about. Okay. So, as I said, this group consisted of 10 very experienced hikers. They were all from the Ural Polytechnical Institute. Some of them were former students. Most of them were current students. The leader of this group was Igor Dyatlov, who was, at the time, only 23 years old. <laughs> the rest of the group was made up of eight males and two females, which included... So, we're going to start with the males. We got Yuri Doroshenko. He was 21. Georgie's? Is that Georgie? 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 Georgie. Georgie. <laughs> he won the boat. All right. Georgie Krivonoshenko. He was 23. Alexander Kolotov. Kolotov? Kolotov. Kolotov. 24. Rustim Slobodin, 23. Nikolai? Yeah, Nikolai Thibault Brignolis. Yeah, good. I'm glad you knew the last name. I didn't know that. So he was 23. Simeon Zolotrov, 38. And we mean no disrespect. No, okay. I just, I'm trying, okay? But I just really want to get this story out there. It's a crazy one. Their first names aren't too bad. No. <laughs> I try to stick with those. So, For the females, we have Ludmila Dabonina. She was 20. And Zenaidia Kolmogrovia, 22. I'm sorry for butchering those. I think it's crazy that they're experience so experienced and they're mm-hmm. only 23 like if i'm going on a track i want someone with 23 years of experience <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm saying the oldest was 38 that's insane to me the youngest being 20 wow yeah that's crazy the group was formed to set out on an expedition across the soviet union every member in the group were grade two hikers after this trek was completed they would get their grade three certificate so that's how they kind of I guess. And yeah. at the time, grade three was the highest certificate that you could receive in Russia. So Soviet were, Union. Soviet Union, I guess. Okay. Yeah. My bad. In the Soviet Union. Soviet, <laughs> Soviet Comrade. Russia. <laughs> Comrade. Comrade. <laughs> so anyone who was trying to get to their grade three were requi- required to traverse 300 kilometers or um, 190 miles. The route that the group had mapped out was approved by the City Route Commission. The goal of this expedition was to reach the Otorten Mountain. The route was estimated to be a Category 3 trek and was to start in February, which was the most difficult time to traverse. Which, I think yeah. I'm trying to go out. I don't know Russian, if I'm trying to go a mountain Siberian. In, in, in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Dead Fuck winter. all that. I, could they not do this in not winter? I mean... I was like, can we just wait till like summer, dog? Right. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to. It's going to be wanna... snow up there either way. Mm-hmm. So, the Diet Love group was given their route book on January twenty third. The book listed their course as following trail number five. With that, the group set off. They arrived via a train in Ivdel on the early morning hours of January twenty fifth. They hopped into a truck heading to Vasai, a village that is the last inhabited settlement to the north. When they arrived, they bought and ate loaves of bread to help keep their energy up for the hike the next day. Now, this is where we started at the beginning. Yeah. Yuri ends up leaving them. Yes. The reason that we know what happened in the days leading up to the incident is because of the group's diaries and journals. In their last journal entries, the groups seemed to be in good spirits. The group also started their own little, like, newspaper, I guess, for, like, entertainment while they were mm. traversing in the wilderness. They named it the Evening Otorten. Chillingly, their last headline in the paper read, 
from now on, we know that the snowmen exist. Oh, God. So whatever the fuck that means, I... I don't know. I don't like it. I don't want it. It sounds terrifying. There was a documented snowstorm on the night of February 2nd, which is the date of the last journal entries. So on January 31st, the group arrived at the edge of the Highland area, preparing for the climbing portion of their journey. In a nearby wooded valley, they gathered a surplus of food along with the equipment that they needed for the trip back. So basically, they were going to this mountain and coming and then back. back. Yeah, that was it. Like, yeah, that was it. That okay. Was little, there, there was times mentioned where it was like they were skiers, and it was throwing me off. I'm like, are they called skiers? Instead of hikers in Russia, I think like, because they use like those little pole things that <laughs> yeah, stick in the ground. Yeah, and I, and then I also seen in some other sources that they actually traverse across frozen lakes on skis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you didn't know that. that? No, I oh. was so confused. I'm like, why does it keep saying they're skiers? They're hikers. Like, <laughs> you think they're just hiking across frozen? I don't know. I didn't even oh. think about like the the rivers and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh. <laughs> the next day, they started to move through the pass of the mountain. It seemed that their intention was to get through the pass and set up camp for the next night. However, due to the worsening weather, snowstorms, and the decrease in visibility, the group got lost and started heading west. This took them off course, heading toward the top of the Kolot Cycle. This mountain's name roughly translates to Dead Mountain or Silent Peak. Which That's I, grim. Yeah. That's grim. I'm trying to not go where it's named Dead Anything, so mm, yeah. <laughs> sounds like a pass. By the time they realized their mistake, they decided to set up camp right there on the slope of the mountain versus moving the 1.5 kilometers or 0.93 miles downhill to a forested area. Now, to me, that sounds like a bad idea. I'm not a wilderness person. I don't like the outdoors. (laughs) I was going to say, if I was very experienced, so to speak, Mm -hmm. I feel like you would make how long do you, I mean, to trek in, I mean, think about like it, what, takes you maybe 15 minutes to mm-hmm. walk a mile or something or 20 minutes. I don't know how fast you walk, but in that kind of weather, it maybe would have took 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I mean, I think it'd be worth it to know you're going to be in a better position, but that's, I don't, I don't know. know. You're not in that situation. So you really don't know. To me, it just seems like a bad idea. I don't know. Just hearing them say like, "Oh, they set up on the slope of a mountain." I'm doesn't like... seem like a good idea. I don't I don't know. Right. Um Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, Yudin, the one who left the group, uh he said that Dyatlov probably did not want to lose the altitude that they had gained or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. I think that'd be the last time I would want to practice. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like I would do that Right. Someplace I knew where I was and had the resources, not in the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah. I mean, I get that maybe the visibility thing was an issue, you know, when you're in that vast yeah. and it's just snowing nonstop. I get that, but I don't know. I, mean, I feel like they're I would already, have been like. Yeah. And they, mm-hmm. I think you said they're already lost. Mm-hmm. So I. I, I would feel, just head towards trees. I feel like that's yeah, the right. safest. I don't know. I mean. I don't know. I've never been in this situation. To <laughs> never will I be. So. I will not either. I am not someone who climbs mountains. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm good on all that. Now, before the group headed out, Dyatlov agreed to send the tele- a telegram to their sports team as they returned to Vishai. This was expected to arrive no later than February 12th. However, Dyatlov told Yudin as he was leaving, it could take longer than that. <sighs> So, when the 12th passed with no telegram, no one was worried. Knowing that there could be a delay through what Yudin had said, 
and delays were common by a few days. Oh, no. So no one was like, oh, no, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. By the 20th, though, the family members of the hikers demanded a rescuer operation take place. And with that, the head of the university sent out the first rescue groups, which consisted of students and teacher volunteers. What the fuck? Which I'm like, (laughs) what? Like, why would those be? I would immediately have called the police. Why is the police not? Right. But (laughs) later, the army and the police got involved and brought in planes and helicopters to aid in the search. But you wouldn't think, let me contact somebody (laughs) who can make it through the fucking mountains. Yeah. And let me just get these students who I can put in danger with already missing students. (laughs) I don't know. It's Russia, I guess. I don't know. The Soviet Union. It's not so, Russia. Soviet Russia. Soviet Union. Whatever. It's comrade. Comrade. <laughs> okay. Okay. Comrade. I got it. Searchers found the group's abandoned and very damaged tent on February 26th on the Dead Mountain. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name again. We're just going to call it Dead Mountain. The campsite was super confusing to say the least, and frankly, it baffled the searchers. The student who found the tent said the tent was half torn down and covered in snow. It was empty. And all of the group's belongings and shoes were left behind. So investigators believe that the tent had been cut or torn open from the inside out, which is crazy to me. I mean, if you're in a hurry. But what could have scared such experienced hikers so bad that they ripped out of their only means of shelter? We'll get to our theories. I know. It just, it's just, you know, it's crazy because that's the only thing they had to survive in. I don't know. It had to be something crazy. I'm just saying that. Nine sets of footprints that seemed to be made by some that were wearing just socks or one shoe or even barefoot were found. When they were followed, it led them down to the edge of a nearby woods and all the way on the opposite side of the pass, about 1.5 kilometers or again, 0.93 miles. So this was the exact woods where they should have went and camped. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And after about 500 meters or 1,600 feet for all of us Americans out there, The group's footprints became covered in snow. Once they reached the edge of the forest, that is where they found remnants of a small fire under a giant pine tree. Near this fire is where the first two of the hikers' bodies were found. The bodies were those of Krivenanshinko and Doroshinko. Both were barefoot and only wearing underwear. Now, branches of this large tree where the fire was were broken all the way up to five meters high. This, to the investigators, suggested that at least one of the hikers had climbed up, possibly to look for something like maybe their camp. Or to me, it could indicate that they were climbing up there to get the fuck away from something, possibly. I don't know. To me, it sounds like an avalanche just wiped out those branches. I knew you were going to go with that. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. But why only that tree if it was an avalanche, though? There was only one tree, or was I mean, it all the trees? It was a, a wooded area, just the specific. No, I'm saying large... where the branch is gone on just the one tree. I think so. Yeah. Oh yeah, then they probably just climbed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see, maybe see if they could find anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. Or again, maybe running from something. Who knows? <laughs> Between the camp and this tree, the searchers discovered three more corpses, which were Dyatlov, Komologrova, and Slobodin. All three were found in poses, which to <clears throat> investigators they believed showed that they were trying to make their way back to camp, which I'm not sure how they gathered that. Maybe the way that they were facing. I guess. Maybe, like, the way they were angled. and if, Like, maybe if they were in, like, a line or something. 
which I think they kind of were. I've seen photos. Oh my god, don't look up the photos. They're horrible. I feel like I've seen them, but I haven't. I can't remember them. Oh god, it's crazy. These bodies were found at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree. Now, you may be keeping count and realize that we've only made it up to about five bodies at this point, and you may be thinking, geez, where are the other four hikers, right? Mm -hmm. You're wondering? Well, I'm sure the searchers and investigators were asking themselves the same thing, as it would take them another two months to find the remaining bodies. Oh, God. I know. I'm like, damn. That brings us to May 4th. On this day, under about four meters of snow, 13 feet, uh, in a ravine, 75 meters further into the woods from that big pine tree, they were found in a creek. Three out of the four had on more clothes than all of the other hikers. The investigators also believe some of this clothing may have been removed from those who had died first. Ludmilla was wearing Krivonenshenko's pants, which were burned and torn, and her left foot and shin were wrapped up in a torn jacket. After finding the first five bodies, a legal inquest was immediately launched. The medical examiner found no injuries that might have led to their deaths. With that, it was concluded that they all died of hypothermia. I'm sure that would happen if you're in the snow with nothing to wear. I mean, yeah. No shoes. Definitely something that I would say could be a possibility. But the other four bodies, when they were found in May, totally shifted that narrative. Now, three of the four final that were found had fatal injuries. Nikolai had major skull damage. Ludmilla and Simeon had very serious chest fractures. And according to a forensic pathologist, the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high and comparable to that of a car crash. Also worth note, there was no external wounds associated with the bone fractures. This would seem as if they had been subjected to a high level of pressure. All four bodies had damage to their head and face. For example, Ludmilla was missing her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips along with the face damage. Simeon's eyeballs were missing and Alexander's eyebrows were missing. The forensic expert handling the post-mortem examination believed that the injuries happened post-mortem because the bodies were in a stream. In the beginning, there was speculation that the indigenous Manzi people had attacked and murdered the group for being on their land. The temperature at the time was, of course, around negative 25 to negative 130 degrees Celsius or negative 13 to negative 122 Fahrenheit. On top of that, there was a horrible winter storm happening. The hikers who were very experienced, again, were only found partially dressed, which to me makes no fucking sense. And the fact that they tore out of their shelter and ran with some or no clothes on. I don't know. I mean, if you hear an avalanche coming at you, you're not going to sit there and you can't see where it's coming. So you don't know. You can hear it. You don't know how far. Because I don't. Do you know how fast snow moves down a mountain? No. It's it's from you said something about like hit by a car crash. That's Mm -hmm. what it's like getting hit with a thing of snow coming crashing down the mountain. All that weight. Thought of that. I'm sure it is a terrifying sound. Just hearing. You can just hear. You can like I. If you've ever, like, watched videos, you can, like, hear it before you can, like, see it. And the snow moves so fast. Okay. So that's still maybe a possibility. I guess I'll keep that and up if there. They're but... in, if their bodies are in a stream, I mean, I'm sure there's animals in there. Yeah, but they were four meters under snow. In a stream? You know, do you think fish are in the snow? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's fish in the fucking stream that is Why under... Why wouldn't there? 
Why wouldn't there be fish in the water? Lisa? Do, what do you think? Do you think the fish just get out? Yeah, <laughs> they freezes? grow their fucking human legs. <laughs> no, they don't. And they walk out the stream. No, they yes, don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. <laughs> okay, so let's get into what their official causes of death are listed as. So Igor was listed as hypothermia, Yuri, hypothermia, Georgie, hypothermia, Alexander, hypothermia, Zenadia, hypothermia. But Ludmilla had internal bleeding and severe chest trauma. That was her cause of death. Nikolai was a fatal skull injury and Simeon was severe chest trauma. Now, parts of the inquest were made available to the public, so journalists, of course, snagged that up and reported on it. So here are some snippets of what was written at this time. There were no indications of other people in the area besides the nine hikers. The tent had been ripped open from within. The the victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp showed that all the members left on their own accord. Some levels of radiation were found on one of the victims' clothing, And the fatal injuries to the three bodies could not have been caused by a human because the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Release documents contained no info about the condition of the hiker's internal organs. So at the time, the the official conclusion was that the group had died because of, wait for it, and I swear this is just the most ridiculous shit ever, a compelling natural force. The fuck does that even mean? It means like an avalanche. Which, to me, that's what it's not like. I've always believed the theory that it was some type of avalanche or there's another type of avalanche they said it could be just because. A slab avalanche, I think. Yeah. Because that would, like, the the force of snow hitting you would would crush you. That's how most people die, like, on impact. Or they suffocate underneath the weight of it as they're crushed to death. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm still not convinced it was just an avalanche. I don't know. Maybe I can change your mind with this. Mm. I'm probably not. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the inquest officially stopped in May of 1959 because there was an absence of a guilty party, and the files were then sent to a secret archive. In 1997, it was released that the negatives from Krivonanchenko's camera were kept in the private archive of one of the case investigators. Later, that film was donated to the Diet Love Foundation. Which to me, I'm like, what the fuck? Why were they kept away? Why were they not released? What was the issue with that? Why were they hidden for so fucking long? I don't know. It's uh-huh. weird to me. The group's diaries were then placed into the Russians' public domain in 2009, which, come the fuck on, again, this happened in 1959. Yeah, Why well, is... this was Soviet Russia. You need to understand. That's fair. That's, That's fair. Soviet. This isn't like... Soviet yeah, Russia. So- Soviet Russia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, it's just, I don't know. It seems so long to hold on to it. I guess I get I mean, they it, wouldn't they even tell different. people that Chernobyl exploded, so. It's true, you're right. <laughs> why I don't would know you think why they I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so let's fast forward to February of 2019. It's only a few short years ago, which is crazy because it feels like it's 100 years away or back. Yeah, I know. I know, I'm like. Pre-COVID, can you imagine? I don't even know what that's like. I don't even worry. Oh, yet. my God. So Russian authorities reopened the investigation into the incident, but there were only three possibilities that were being considered, which is an avalanche, a slab avalanche, and I can't even believe I'm about to say this, but a hurricane? Yeah, is that I mean, possible? I don't, I don't know. I'm not a It might be. I'm not a weather person. There's or another anything, thing but... I saw something about <laughs> catabotic winds or something like that. Yeah, I got that in here, but I just a hurricane in Russia on a mountain. 
February? I mean, it's 2019. We are destroying the planet. True. Oh, well, this happened in the 50s, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just, when I seen that, I was like, what? I don't... Now I'm I mean, curious the avalanche if, like, is way more believable, but... Than a hurricane. Yeah, I agree with that. So, with that, let's talk about the theories. So, of course, we have the avalanche, which Jen is a wholehearted believer with what happened to this group. So... This is the one that is believed by most as the most plausible explanation, which is an avalanche. On July 11th in 2020, the head of the Ural's federal district announced that the avalanche was the official cause of the death of the group. Author Benjamin Radford agreed that an avalanche was the most plausible. While writing of this event, he said the group woke in a panic, cut their way out of the tent because an avalanche had either covered the entrance or they believed an avalanche was imminent. And they were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping and ran to safety in the nearby woods. In the darkness, they got separated into two or three groups. One group made a fire, hence the burnt hands, while the others went to return to the tent to get some clothing when the storm had somewhat passed. But it was too cold, and they all just froze to death before they could find the tent. The group of four whose bodies were most severely damaged were caught in an avalanche and buried under four meters of snow. Now, that just doesn't sit right with me. I don't know. I don't like the avalanche. I don't think Did that's what happened. Did you know that when you suffer from hypothermia, your body actually thinks it's warm, so you I actually do. take I your clothes off? I have that in here. Thanks for um, ruining it, no, Jane. sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I do know about the paradoxical undressing. Thank oh, you, okay. ma'am. You're welcome. <laughs> but, again, injuries consistent with a car crash. I get it. It's piles of snow, but the tongue and the eyeballs and the eyebrows. Somebody, it's a fucking animal, oh, dude. God, with the scavenging animals. Yes. So you about, don't think animals scavenge? I do you don't think, think that. fish are in the water during the winter. So. <laughs> they grow human legs and they walk out, Jim. <laughs> God damn it. It's another Greek myth. <laughs> the snow had nut sack foam. Okay, anyways. <laughs> How about I give you some reasons why it wasn't a fucking avalanche, Jen, okay? You want that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. The location of the incident had no obvious signs that an avalanche had taken place. They which- didn't even get there until weeks after. Which there would have been something to indicate that it had taken place as certain patterns and debris, plus the bodies found within a month were only covered by a shallow layer of snow. Yeah, from the last of the avalanche. Mm, Over a hundred expeditions to this region had been held since then, and no one has ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche. Okay, well, I drive to work every day. Doesn't mean I'm not going to get hit by a car one day. Well, you haven't yet, Jen. (laughs) Well, it could happen. (laughs) An analysis of the terrain and the slope show that even if it could have been an avalanche, and a very specific one at that, in this area, well, the path would have gone right past their tent. They already said the tent was on the slope of the mountain. No, they said it would have went past yeah, it, Jen. okay. But they said it's The it. same ones who couldn't even Scientist, release the fucking Jen. photos. <laughs> Scientists said it, Jen. Dyatlov was an experienced hiker. He was 23! He Lisa, was an how experienced... How is he experienced? He was a grade 2 Jen. And Soviet. Would you like a doctor who's 23? I don't know. Is he hot? Oh my God. (laughs) What kind of doctor? Which one are we talking about? No BGYN? No. (laughs) Talking about someone who's going to do open heart surgery on you. Would you want a 23 year old to do that? Or would you want the 50 year old man? The 23 year old with a steady hand. No. (laughs) I don't want a 50 year old man going inside my chest cavity. No. (laughs) So Dyatlov was an experienced hiker and a much older. Semyon was studying for his master's certificate in hiking instruction. Studying for it. He didn't even have it. Okay, but he was studying for his master's, so he had other degrees, Jen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
neither of these men would have been likely to camp anywhere in the path of a potential a avalanche. degree in hiking instruction. Oh, because they're in Russia. <laughs> Soviet Union. <laughs> Footprint patterns leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone, let alone a group of nine, running in panic from either real or imagined danger. All the footprints leading from the tent toward the woods were consistent with individuals who were walking at a normal pace. Well, how are you supposed to sprint in feet of snow and you can't see where you, you are? Run. You gotta run. If you no. think in the giant avalanche is coming at you, you are literally you just gonna can't slowly run. walk away? You literally can't run. Well, you can run. No. You try, have you been trying to run through snow? I probably did when I was like nine. Okay, well, <laughs> that's, it's not, that's not how that works. Okay, fine. Maybe it was an avalanche. Mm. I'm still not convinced. Next, we're going to talk about the cabatic wind that Jen mentioned earlier. These winds are extremely rare, but when they happen, they are dangerous and violent. These winds are cited as the culprit in a case of the, in the 1978 on Arnius Mountain in Sweden. In this case, eight hikers found themselves caught in a cabatic wind. Only one survived but was seriously injured. Now, if this had happened in the Diet Love Pass incident... This would have made it impossible to stay in their tent. The most rational reaction would have been for them to cover the tent with snow and seek shelter behind the tree line. So that could have been what happened. That makes a little bit, a little bit more sense. Yes, no. Then why so? would they leave the tent? And wouldn't the tent be destroyed by the wind? That's why they covered it in snow. So it wouldn't. they didn't cover it in snow. That would have been. They should have if that's what it was. But that's not what it was. Well, okay. So maybe it's not that. So what do you think about infrasound? I don't know what this one is. Okay. This theory gained traction after Donnie Ecker's 2013 book entitled Dead Mountain was released. Basically, it is believed that the wind around Death Mountain caused something called a Carmen Vortex Street. Now, this is just repeating winds of swirling vortexes caused by a process known as vortex shredding. This phenomenon is, can produce infrasound, which can cause people to have panic attacks. Donnie claims that because of their panic, the hikers were driven to leave their tent by whatever means necessary and run down the slope. By the time they were further down the hill, they would have been far enough away for the sound to regain their composure, but the darkness would have made it impossible for them to find their tent. But what about the traumatic injuries that some of the group had, Lisa? Well, he believed that this was a result of the victims stumbling over the edge of the ravine and landing on the rocks at the bottom. But again... There was no soft tissue damage. No. Yeah, like, I just fell in the ravine yeah. and my eyeballs came out. <laughs> Sorry, that's horrible. But oh my God, really though. I mean, no. if you fell into a rock-ridden ravine, I would assume there would be external Marks, damages. Yeah, yeah. yeah avalanche just, looking real good right now. So that may explain some of it, but not all of it. I don't like that one. Well, do you believe <laughs> ravine eyeballs? Yeah, I believe you can land in a ravine and your eyeballs just jump from your skull, Jen. God, that's fucking terrible. That's awful. That guy should be ashamed. He should be. It's just stupid. I'm sorry. I mean, he tried. He did try. He tried. I I don't like it, though. The end just doesn't. I'm not about it. The end's not. Another theory is military tests. With this theory, it is believed that the campsite the group chose left them in the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. This theory alleges that the hikers woke up to loud explosions, ran from their tent shoeless in a panic, and then found themselves unable to return. After, some members then froze to death, while others took the dead's clothing in vain as they were fatally injured by the mines. 
There was actually records of a parachute mine being tested by the Soviet, Soviet military in this area around the times the hikers were there. These mines detonate while in the air instead of when they hit the ground. They produce signature injuries similar to the ones that the hikers sustained, which is, again, heavy internal damage with minimal or no external damage. This theory is backed up by reported sightings of glowing orange orbs floating or falling into the sky in the general vicinity of the hikers' camp. This theory and a few others contribute scavenging animals Mm -hmm. for the reasons that Lumila's injuries... On the other side, some speculate that the bodies were unnaturally mutilated along with the liver mortis markings and burns to the hair and body and skin, which to me sounds like some type of weird foul play, but who am I but a lowly well, podcaster? They were trying to warm by the fire and just stuck their hands right in. That could be it with the hypothermia if that was the case. There it is, scavenging animals. I know, I know. I was waiting for it. I'm like, she's going to be like, oh, we try animals. I mean, what if what if they were doing the bombs and then it triggered an avalanche? Mm, so what if it was like all these and then they froze to death? And they were trying to escape mm. and then they covered it up. I mean, uh, to me, I mean the one because you said like there, oh, there's never been like an avalanche there, but obviously if you throw a fucking bomb at a mountain, <laughs> there will be. <laughs> there's gonna be. You know what I'm saying? Right. And maybe they heard the bomb, and that's when they ran, and then the avalanche took them out. Yeah. So it is also worth noting that in the photos of the scene, the tent seemed to show that it was erected incorrectly, which is something that these experienced hikers would have never done. So that's also interesting. Yeah, well, it was also a huge storm, so they probably couldn't see what they were doing. True. That could be it. A similar theory suggests that radiological weapons were being tested, and that is partly based on some of the clothing found had radioactivity. Couple that with the descriptions of the bodies having orange skin and gray hair. But this is also strange because the radio radiation would have affected all of them, not just some. And the discoloration could be explained by the months of from the months of them being out in the cold and in the wind. And since the Soviet authorities, of course, kept these files on this case private, that fueled a lot of theories that it was a government cover up. So I mean, it's Russia. Soviet Union. Soviet Union, baby. Covering shit up. That KGB. Yeah, that you didn't even know was real. I know. I, I thought I Archer like, made it what up. What the? F- <laughs> I was like, Lisa, how do you not know the KGB was real? And here is where Jen's uh, ruining my Sorry, shit I mean, I didn't, earlier. just to let you guys know, I hadn't read any of this. I know. So. Uh, This is where we bring in the paradoxical undressing. The International Science Times posted that the hikers simply died from hypothermia, which causes paradoxical undressing. This phenomenon happens in about 25% of hypothermia victims. Basically, when one is suffering from hypothermia, they can feel like they're burning hot, thus they remove their clothes to cool down. There are different phases of hypothermia. We have the mild, which causes shivering and confusion. Moderate, the shivering stop and the confusion increases. Severe hypothermia is hallucinations are possible, and this is where the undressing would occur. Also, it has a high risk of stopping one's heart. Hmm. This is what many think happened in this case, even though only six of the deaths were caused by hypothermia and the others had a clear enough head to take their clothing. So obviously they were not confused and hallucinating because they well, yeah, were... Well, yeah, it said it only happens 25%. So they could have been the ones that weren't affected by it. Oh, okay. So you think you think that's what happened? 
What do Man, you, I out of know. the theories, what do you think so far? I think they heard something coming at the mountain, probably an avalanche or slab avalanche or whatever you want to call it. They heard something and they all just fucking booked it out of the tent. Yeah. I don't know. We have one last theory. And that, of course, is a Yeti attack. Oh, God. No, <laughs> I had to well. throw it in here. It is weird, though, with that snowman entry in their little newspaper. They probably built a snowman. <laughs> They just built an Elsa snowman, and they were like, here you go. Like, yeah. that's it. I don't know. What do, what do you do when you're on a climbing up a mountain, though? <sighs> I don't know. Apparently make up a newspaper where you talk about I, a Yeti. Why? Who has the time? I don't understand. <laughs> People hiking through the Siberian wilderness with nothing else to do. <laughs> I don't know. So you, you really think it was maybe just the avalanche? Is that what you're going with? I mean, I would, I would, the most believable to me is like an avalanche happened or the military thing military thing is what i, I think don't think I it was a fucking yeti or oh. a hurricane <laughs> so definitely don't think it's a fucking hurricane <laughs> when i read that i was like get the fuck out like yeah i was like no ma'am no i do think it could be a mixture of them and that's why it's so i kind of think the one where maybe they were testing it in the sky and then it triggered an avalanche and then they heard it and ran because the mm. injuries are very explainable from being caught in an avalanche and getting scavenged by animals but wouldn't there be some external damage if they were crushed by snow or whatever? Would there not be any? I, I mean, mean, it's got debris and stuff in it from coming down the mountain and collecting things. Probably not. It? But it would it would literally cause their ribs and stuff to break and skulls to I mean, fracture? If somebody, like, sat on you that weighed 10,000 pounds, I mean, you'd probably be crushed. Snow weighs 10,000 pounds? How do you... Th what do you think? Like, what do you think? Tons, I think it's tons of snow coming down the mountain. I don't know. I don't know. Because do you think, like, why do you think people, do you think people not die during avalanches? How long was this avalanche? Like, was there multiple? Because they were found in different positions. Some of them were still alive. I mean, they, they clearly made a fire and stuff, so they weren't immediately crushed by an avalanche. How long does avalanches usually last? I mean, they're pretty quick. Listen, a large, fully developed avalanche can weigh as much as a million tons. Okay. It can travel faster than 200 miles per hour. And then, how long do they usually last, though? I don't know. It doesn't say that. It doesn't go that far. But it's just weird to me that some of them were in shallow snow and not really covered. Yeah, so that's what that's when they were saying to the slab avalanche. There's, like, different types of avalanches. Mm -hmm. And the slab one, according to what website am I on? Um, I don't know who this is. I'll put it in the description. <laughs> A slab avalanche. Loose snow avalanches in turn could cause a slab avalanche, which are characterized by the fall of a large block of ice down the slopes. Thin slabs cause fairly small amounts of damage, while the thick ones are responsible for many fatalities, as it's in bold. Yes. Okay, but it's still, it's weird to me that they were all spread out. Some were under shallow snow, some were under a ton of snow. There was fires made. Clearly, some of them climbed trees. They probably they maybe climbed the tree to get away clothes. from the avalanche. Oh. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. But then what about the other four? I they don't couldn't know. make it. They can't they see. All... If there's a snowstorm, they can't see where everybody's running to. It just... I think I read somewhere that they believe that others survived longer. So, I mean... It's just weird that only some of them would have been covered and some of them weren't. And some of them were in shallow snow. Some of them were dressed. Some of them weren't. There was fires. There was they climbed a tree. There was a mention of the snowman, which is a Yeti, which could be possible. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a mystery. We're never going to know. 
So we're doing like the BuzzFeed Unsolved. This is still unsolved. Yeah. No? I don't know. I think it might have been the military thing and they were just covering it up. I mean, anything's possible in the Soviet Union. I don't know. It's just strange to me that they were all found so different. My thing is going back and looking at it this time, when you kind of read the story at first, you think experienced hikers, but they're all children basically they're like freaking 20 years old yeah but they have their grade two not that that means nothing no. to you they had to have they've went on numerous hikes at that okay. point i mean this was to get their grade three and they were going on this long ass trek to get that so they had to have done other treks like this to get to where they know. were i don't know to well, yeah, they're level two, two and they're doing a level three trek yeah no that's because they work to get their level think, two certificate. I just don't think they had the experience to, to go on this mountain and something happened and they got didn't know what to do. And as you know. could tell, because they didn't go and put their camp where they should have put it. That that was the first thing I'm like, I don't know. I Again, I don't know anything about the Siberian wilderness. I don't know anything about the snow and stuff and like in that kind of area where it's insane like yeah. that. So... I don't know. I don't Putting know. it to begin with on the slope seems like a bad idea to me. But again, I don't know. If they were in a situation where they couldn't see and couldn't find the trees to get to a better shelter. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be one for Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Yes, we have to call in. What's the guy's name from Unsolved Mysteries? Well, he's passed away. It's oh, a different. They don't have. That's sad. Yeah. he. It was a while ago. Well, that's real sad. I'm yeah, you didn't now. know that. Oh, that's why he's not in the new Netflix show. Oh, they they use like his voice or whatever, but he's oh not. okay. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure that's his no, voice. He, he passed okay. away a while ago. Well, R.I.P. Unsolved Mysteries, man. Oh, <laughs> oh hold on, sad. I'm gonna look up his name. I can hear his voice. Yeah, <laughs> tonight, tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, <laughs> let me see here. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know. To me, I think this is one of the most. I don't know how any nobody's heard of it. It's like one of the first when you think of whenever you like world unsolved mysteries. It's yeah, like, this is. I guess it's a big one because it was a group of people just. Mm-hmm. I don't know the way they were found, and I get it that it could have been animals and stuff that took, but it's just weird that it was only eyeballs and a part of a lip. And well, a that's tongue. what that's what fish would do. So fish. Fish eat eyeballs. You yeah, know this they, from experience. Yes, they do. They eat your tongues and lip. Yes, and your eyebrows. They, eat they the like soft your furry tissue first. Yes, they like your furry eyebrows. Yeah, they might. I don't know if I can know. Oh my god! How how do you know what fish do? Are you a fish ex- expert now, lady? Yeah, I am. I'm a fish and an insect expert. <laughs> okay, Animal Crossing does not count, Jen. Yes, it does. Are you looking up something? I can't fucking find it. Are you looking for the guy's name from Unsolved Okay, Mysteries? I got it. I got it. Okay. All right. So I got his name. His name is Robert Stack. Oh, okay. He okay. passed away in 2003. Wow, that was a long ass time ago. Okay. Well, mm. here I am catching up with the rest of the world. That's sad. Yeah. Oh. I wonder if they did an episode on this. I don't think so. Oh, dang. I know. It would have been a good one. I think they should. Maybe they'll do it in the new one. We can suggest maybe we should send it over. Yeah, be like, hey, here's one for you. I don't know. I guess we're just gonna land on avalanche for you, and I'm gonna go with the military testing. So, but what we want to know is, what do you guys think out there? 
And what are your theories? And do you have anything else? Or have you heard of anything else? Or I didn't hear. I mean, there were a couple that I had never heard of before. Yeah. And then I I know that a lot of people went hard on the Manzi tribe, believing that they did attack them. I just feel like they they can, like, how would that work? Like, they could, they don't have any, like, external injuries. I know. That's why I'm like, well, how, how? How would you come up with that? That's one that a lot of people believe in. It's just simply because they didn't want them on their land. But, oh. again, yeah, like you said, there's no external injuries. So, yeah, I don't know. Guess it's just a mystery, but let us know what you think all over our social media. You can DM us and comment, whatever you would like to do. Yeah, and other than that, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to seeing you again next Wednesday. Bye! Bye.